Hopes that China will do more to stabilise its property sector have boosted stocks there and have helped the commodity currencies who export the most to China. That's the Aussie and Kiwi dollars. That's in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive interview, ANZ Australia economist Maddie Dunk digs through the Australian state GDP figures. We saw that ACT was really the leader of the pack, so growth was quite strong there. But we also saw relatively strong growth in New South Wales and South Australia as well. And if you look at national growth, what we've seen is that the pace of growth has slowed a touch from the previous financial year. And that's understandable as we see the impacts of aggressive tightening start to flow through. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, markets were relatively stable and quiet overnight ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday in the United States later this week. But the commodity currencies, such as the Kiwi and the Aussie dollars, have firmed on hopes China will deliver more stimulus to its property sector. More about that later in the 5 and 5. As of 5am Sydney, Melbourne time, the NASDAQ is down 0.7%, the S&P 500 down 0.2%, the Aussie is at 65.66 US cents, and the Kiwi dollar is up at a three and a half month high of 60.56 US cents. Oil is down half a percent for West Texas Intermediate at $77.39 US a barrel. And gold is up 1% at just over the US $2,000 an ounce mark for the first time since late July. The US 10-year Treasury yield is down a couple of basis points at 4.41%. Number two, minutes out yesterday from the RBA and comments from new Governor Michelle Bullock in a seminar have reinforced the view that the central bank is on a hawkish hold with chances of a hike still higher than a cut anytime soon. Here's ANZ's Head of Australian Economics, Adam Boyton. So I think it's unlikely based on these minutes that the bank is looking for a follow-up rate hike in December. But having said that, I think it's important to remember that as we move into next year, uh, certainly in the first half of next year, the hawkishness coming out of the bank uh, and I guess the, the concern about the persistence of inflation does mean that if the RBA does anything in the first half of next year, uh, it would be to increase rates, not to put them down. Number three, one reason for the RBA's hawkishness is its concern about businesses passing on cost increases into price inflation too easily and consumers embedding higher inflation expectations. Here's Adam again. The RBA is very alert to any sign that inflation expectations might become unanchored. Uh, and the minutes did actually refer to a, a scenario presented to the board by the bank staff that just showed if people start anticipating uh, higher inflation and start, start adjusting their behaviour uh, in the expectation inflation will persist, it's so much harder then to get inflation out of the system. So certainly the bank and the board will be very wary uh, particularly of, I guess, more broad-based signs that consumer inflation expectations are becoming unanchored. That's not the case yet. They're only just referring to some financial market expectations. So it's a, it's a yellow flag, I guess, not a red one. Number four, China's property development stocks have surged in recent days after a couple of moves by the authorities in Beijing to bolster financing for the troubled property sector. 
on Friday, the People's Bank of China, the National Financial Regulator and the National Securities Regulator put out a joint statement saying that banks and financial institutions should support property developers in a counter-cyclical way that extends loans steadily. Here's ANZ's chief economist for Greater China, Raymond Yung, on what that means for China's economy. Overall, we're seeing that now the authorities are very eager to support, uh, provide a put to the uh, property sector so that um, the economic growth will uh, still be uh, up and running, uh, given the fact that the economic data in the past few months has been signaled that the uh, uh, economic downturns has already stabilized and uh, on, the Chinese economy is on track of uh, not only achieving 5% growth and it's very likely that uh, next year they're also aiming for uh, another 5% growth. Number five. Also, the People's Bank of China has said it will look to funnel 1 trillion yuan to the property sector through an older lending facility designed in 2014 to help fund shantytown redevelopments. It's called the Pledged Supplemental Lending Facility, or the PSL. This time around, there has been a new, fresh that, uh, uh, report uh, in the market um, saying uh, the PBOC is also thinking about uh, 1 trillion yuan of PSL support for affordable housing. So uh, as an other reflation strategy, to provide full support um, for housing construction. So that's also another positive news to the property sector, in addition to you know the uh, financial regulators' pledges for uh, banking support to private developers last Friday. And it's Raymond Yung there. Now, for our bonus deep dive interview, we hear from ANZ Australia economist Maddie Dunk about how the different Australian state economies are doing with the release yesterday of the annual gross state product statistics, which shows where the grass is greener or browner on the other side of the state line. I asked Maddie who has done better than the rest or worse. Gross state product increased everywhere in the country except for the Northern Territory and 2022-23. And we saw that ACT was really the leader of the pack. So growth was quite strong there, but we also saw relatively strong growth in New South Wales and South Australia as well. And if you look at national growth, what we've seen is that the pace of growth has slowed a touch from the previous financial year. And that's understandable as we see the impacts of aggressive tightening start to flow through. Also, some of that post-lockdown boost to activity has faded, but really 3% is still pretty solid and I think it suggests that the economy is holding up okay. And uh, where were the the outperformers and the underperformers, if you like, um, around that 3% uh, level for the nation? So the ACT was the leader of the pack. We saw that growth accelerated 4.3%. And a lot of that comes down to very strong activity in the public sector. And we know that the ACT is an economy that does rely on the public service quite heavily. And then if you look at the underperformers, I think the clear standout is the Northern Territory. We saw that it was the only part of the country where there was a fall in gross state product and that came down to a decline in 
mining activity. So that was the biggest drag there. And of the big states, um, the ones with a, uh, a bit more heft, I see that Queensland and Victoria were both below the uh, national average. What's going on there? Oh, well, they were below the result that we saw in 2021-22. But I think that's understandable. We're starting to see that economies are slowing. We've had those rate hikes. We're not getting that activity boost that we did have in the previous financial year as people came out of lockdowns and wanted to spend and go out and indulge. Um, And that's flowed through to a slowing in, um, I suppose, the pace of GSP growth in those states. ANZ's it's Maddie Dunk there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Wednesday, November the 22nd. And look out tomorrow morning for part one of a deep dive interview with Brian Martin into how US industrial policy is changing the outlook for global interest rates. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.